I am Doug Friedman. And I am Meredith Levy. And this is Your Mental Breakdown. The podcast. Coming to you pre-recorded. Not live. Ever. Never live. Heavily edited. That's what you get. Yeah, no. We could never do it live. That would be so frightening. (laughs) (laughs) We don't even do it in the same place anymore. I know. We're not in person. I know. I just have no filter. That would be really detrimental. But I like that you have a cardboard cutout of me right next to you. I know. I like how I look to my side, too. How are you? I am actually annoyed embarrassed, humbled, and other adjectives I could throw in there, but I'll just tell you why, because I love that look on your face. (laughs) Do you remember last time we recorded when I told you how happy I was that Daylight Savings Time was coming to an end officially? Then you realize that, well, they're not sure yet. Okay. So here's a couple of things. Yeah. Uh, Number one, and the most important, I was only half wrong. (laughs) Yes, for sure. (laughs) Because I said it passed the Senate. And when I heard that, when I heard that back, I was like, why did I say the Senate? It needs to pass Congress. It needs to pass the Senate and the House. It never passed the House. It stalled there. It still might. Yeah. In California, though, and I think we've talked about this in the past, you and I, it passed in 2018 locally for there to be no daylight savings time in California anymore. But we haven't done anything about that. I know. (laughs) It's horrible. (laughs) (laughs) So don't get your tattoo yet unless you want to get a turkey. You can get a turkey tattoo. How's that? Did I ever tell you how when I used to be a therapist at a rehab, at different rehabs, for some reason, they had me do art therapy, which, by the way, I have no training in art therapy whatsoever. So many (laughs) of the days I would have them make hand turkeys, not near Thanksgiving. (laughs) It could be any month of the year. And they would come in and once they had been in my group for a while, I was like, fine. But, you know, some people are detoxing and want to like shoot some, but, you know, they're just like, oh, and they come to art therapy and I'm like, we're going to make hand turkeys. (laughs) And then (laughs) and then to tie it all together at the end, I would be like, "Okay, so let's go around and talk about how does this hand turkey represent you? Because I had to tie it all in together somehow for anyone who hasn't made a hand turkey since they were little. It's actually really fun. I will tell you one thing, though. I had a dinner party the other night for, I don't know, the first time ever, maybe. I'm 48. I'm social, but I don't really like people in my space that much. No, it it was lovely. I really appreciated it. Everything was really nice. The wine was delicious. (laughs) The food was fantastic. Okay. My invitation got lost in the mail. Okay. I understand. It did. Here's the thing about Doug. (laughs) Doug is not a foodie. He, in fact, doesn't really care what he eats it's for fuel always True. for the most part doug doesn't drink doug lives in i do care what i eat you care what i, I said healthy. you care what you eat in a healthy way like not in a oh yeah taste yeah. good way yeah, yeah. you don't drink you live very far away you wouldn't have come anyway it was on a friday night sometimes meredith it's nice just to be invited and be thought of but i understand i understand it's cool i yeah, always think fine. of you well, you know And the point is, it was very adult to me and it was actually really fun. I'll tell you what I realized. I'm going to have these all the time. You know what? Every single person that came, which was, by the way, six of my friends. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Time out. No, I don't have six friends. It was my three friends and their significant others. Yeah. All right. You scared me. Yeah, yeah. Don't get crazy. (laughs) Every couple brought me a bottle of tequila. 
I was like, whoa, 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 wait, if I do this all the time, will people just bring me alcohol? Will they just bring me tequila? Will they just bring me presents every time? I think the answer is yes. Point is have dinner parties so that you can get presents. (laughs) Well, that's cool. All right. All right. So. (laughs) (laughs) So have fun with your dinner parties and your tequila and curl up with a nice podcast like this one and enjoy your Thanksgiving pre-game with us. (laughs) Yes, all of that. (laughs) Funny, because I think uh, the episode starts off, Sarah and I were talking about how she's been listening to the podcast with her siblings, or her siblings have been listening to it. So it's not like the secret that she's doing and not telling anybody. It's actually some of her siblings are listening and and following along. And it's kind of cool. We cut a little bit in the beginning about talking about specific things, but... We keep a bit of that in there, so you'll hear it. Let's play it, and then we can talk about it. Let's do it. We'll be back in a little bit. Okay. Bye. Bye. My brother actually told me, he was like, you know, sis, I just wanted to, like, double check with you that you're okay with me listening to this, because I feel like I'm kind of, like, you know, encroaching on something that's private. Right. I think it's good for him to listen. I mean, his issues are like a whole other ball game. But in essence, I think overall, it's actually a positive thing for him to listen. Whether or not it specifically applies, there's a lot of help, I think, in our sessions for anybody who's had yeah. like past trauma. I've heard comments from or seen comments from people that say, you know, Sarah is so relatable. Somebody even said like, I grew up in a cult too, and this is so healing. That person's experience, your brother's experience, sister's experience, anybody's experience of the cult, you will say, oh, we all had the same upbringing. No, you didn't. You absolutely did not because you all had a different perspective of it and different needs and different wants and different reactions. You know, otherwise, how come, how come you're not an, an author? you know, with an incredible imagination that you just spout out everywhere and a propensity to do drugs. True. So we all come out of it differently because we had a different experience of it. Yeah, you're right. Boyfriend was raised in the cult too. He was, but he was like, yeah, outskirts. Yeah, like totally different experience. Still, that's not just a coincidence. I mean, that's incredible. How did that discussion even come up? And and what was that like for you guys? And what happened with him that's it's got to be mind-blowing he was a friend of my sister's on facebook so he friended me and then i you know so we were friends but that was it like on facebook for years and he had this like smoking hot girlfriend and i was married to my awful husband at the time so he was just another one of my you know 1200 (laughs) closest friends (laughs) on facebook (laughs) right sister and I were in Texas and we didn't know what the fudge to do. And so we're just sitting there like, um, so I just posted a message on my page and I was like, Hey, if anybody's in Dallas that sees this message, come hang out with us or tell us where to go. And then boyfriend just showed up. He showed up and then we just totally hit it off. And then we just kept talking. So after a few months, I went to visit him just to hang out and see if we actually liked each other. And he made a comment one day 
or he said something that only a cult person would know. Like they had a lot of weird isms. So something they used to say, you know, when you tell somebody, can you hurry up? Their expression was press in. Don't ask me to explain that. But there is not a soul on earth who would know what that meant unless you had grown up in the cult. So it was one of those. I'm not even sure it was that one, but it was something where I was like, that was weird. Like, I'm like, okay, who do you, is, did you hear that from my sister? Or, you know, cause I knew he was friends with my sister or one of my sisters or two maybe. And he was like, no, I'm, what are you talking about? So when he said that, I was like, whoa, what is going on right now? And then we talked about it for a bit and I was like, okay, is this going to be weird? I know. I felt like I just got out of a relationship, like a long relationship with somebody who was not in the cult. And I don't think that is what was broken. I think he as a human was broken, but it is an interesting plane when you don't have to explain things to somebody like that whole part of the relationship was done. It was like, Oh, like we had known each other all of a sudden for like 20 years. And we were just like, all that stuff, there was no more, you know, pretending or hiding anything. It was like, oh, okay. I think that it's finding that that common experience, that common language. And like you said, it didn't have to explain a bunch of this, but your experiences, like we were just talking about your siblings, their experiences are slightly different than yours because of your perspectives. His is very different than yours because of perspective and the environment. He was in a different section of the cult and probably a different country. He had a very different cult experience than I did, for sure. But there's a whole piece of a pie there that you don't have to pretend like you're not eating. So it, it actually took me a while to get into it all with my ex-husband. Obviously, after 10 years, he knew just about everything. Um, but there's a lot of very shocking moments for a person who's grown up like, I'm going to use the word normal because... You know, <laughs> none of us are normal. Sure. And sure, everybody has a different type of life experience, but you're living in society. We were not. We were completely cut off from everything and everyone that was not part of this cult. So even though boyfriend experience was less traumatic, actually, he says it was not really traumatic at all. He still read the same information that we were all given by the leader and it was mandatory that you attended devotions every morning and at devotions we didn't read the bible we read berg's ramblings they called them good news and that got whittled down to gns these gns were anything from literally titled sex with grandmother where he had a dream that he was having sex with his grandmother, published this, and we had to sit there and listen to it for no reason. There's no fucking reason to share a fucked up dream like that with anybody, much less get it typed up, edited, printed, and published. So this was the shit that we were being fed. So you were not allowed to think for yourself, or even pick a chapter in the Bible as, as like innocent as that. That wasn't what happened. 
you had a set, you know, GN to read every morning and it was mandatory that everyone was there no matter what. So all of us had that same experience, whether you were really in the thick of it or you were on the outskirts, you still had a very in-depth brainwashing process. So, Wow. That's, you know, like you said, somebody that grew up with that understands that. So it, it's the kind of thing where, you know, somebody walks in the room and goes, hey, I've got good news. That's probably not something you or your boyfriend would ever utter. You just would not say that. There are things like that that you grow up with that you don't realize are that triggering until it triggers you. Exactly. And especially when you're so removed from it all, like I, I was, and you know, I left, I cut off contact, even with people in my family to go for so many years without, you know, any of that stuff kind of coming up. I still joke with him now because he does it all the time. He'll just blurt out some random line from a song from the cult. And I'm just like, oh my God. If you had never said that line, I would never have remembered that. But then all of a sudden it just goes, and like the whole song comes flooding into my mind. I have to tell him the triggers. Because <laughs> boyfriend doesn't have a lot. He just thinks it's all funny. But there's some things that hit you and you're like, oof, I could have gone another 20 years without ever hearing that again. It is what it is. We get it. We understand when it when it's in the room and there's no explanation. So that is the one good part where you don't have to actually say anything to excuse or explain why you don't know about something or why you said something the way you said it. Yeah, there's comfort there and calm in most cases, not always, you know, and he, he's human also. I'll put a pin in this piece because I think it's a larger discussion, but it fits with you and your boyfriend having some common language and some shared experience, but slightly different perspectives, actually vastly different perspectives. And then it's about, oh, your kids, they don't know. So it will be very interesting in terms of how you and boyfriend decide to tell your kids. It might be more loaded than just when they're old enough to be able to process this, I'll tell them about it. And I, I don't know how often, if at all, that, that weighs on you. It does. I think that it's not terribly important for them to know right now. This is my read on the situation. They have so much going on with being young teenagers and, you know, all the ups and downs of just being a regular teenager. They know mom grew up weird or she grew up, you know, all over the world. But details, I don't know. I don't feel like it's important because all the details are negative. They're, they're nothing that's going to make them go, oh, that's so cool, mom. They know I lived in 30 countries. That is cool. But that's it. None, none of the other revelations are going to make their day better. <laughs> so they don't need it right now, in my opinion. I, I I will agree with you with, with just one little yet huge caveat, which is there is something about it that's really, really cool. That idea that, oh, it's a cult. Oh, it was horrendous. And our mom fucking got out and survived. Our mom is a badass. And I don't think they can understand or quantify that right now. 
there will come a time when it will be the right time and they will have that reaction. But I feel like still right now, they're too young for all that negative yeah. stuff. <laughs> I agree. And I, I think just as long as you hold that that one, at least that one positive piece, that that's in there too when it's in your head. And you're right. They don't need to know right now. It's not necessary. I don't think you would you would deceive them no. or lie to them. If they asked, I think you would tell and sit down and explain. Yeah, I would. And hopefully this will organically just become a subject that one day when they are old enough to understand even what a cult is, then they can go, oh, wow. And they'll put all the pieces together like I do. I would never lie to them now. I'm, if they found out, I would absolutely sit them down and give them the whole spiel. Well, I, I think one value I know you hold is truth and data. Giving them the data and giving it to them as truth. And I also try and turn their negatives into life lessons. This sucks. I wish it hadn't happened, but put it in your database <laughs> and you're going to notice when you get older, you're going to remember this moment and how you dealt with it or how, you know, and it's going to help you because people suck as a whole. Humans are not very <laughs> nice. <laughs> So you have to learn to deal with adversity and with people being cruel. And, you know, cruel, I think, is exactly the right word. Like the only reason you would bring something like, oh, your mom grew up in a cult is because you want to be cruel because there's no other reason. There's nothing about me. If I didn't tell you before I even met you that I grew up in a cult and I never brought it up, sure, you'd be poking because... There's a lot of anxiety. There's a lot of triggers. Why? But you wouldn't necessarily go straight to, oh, it's because you grew up in a cult, right? No, you wouldn't. I have lots of friends who have no idea I grew up in a cult. The necessary part. It's not necessary. And I think that idea of cruelty, I think especially kids, even adults too, can be very cruel intentionally and unintentionally. And sometimes that idea of, Oh, you grew up in a cult. You know, that comes out because someone else is insecure about how they grew up and they want to feel better about themselves. So they will be what you call cruel to somebody to lift themselves up. I wish that didn't happen, but it does all the time. It does. So all of those experiences, I think, are very good for the life lesson bank. But yeah, so Memorial, it was amazing, really, really beautiful. Lots of emotion. It was very sad, but it was perfect. It was exactly what it should have been. It was beautiful. It was really beautiful. It was mostly just all of his family, all of us, his cousins, plus his actual kids. There was a few faces in there that I recognized, <laughs> but literally from childhood. One guy who I haven't seen in 32 years or something. So I was 13. His sister was my best friend, like BFFs, heart, hearts forever. And her and I went through some serious abuse together, which I haven't even gone into. We were extremely close. And his brother, I had a massive crush on. 
<laughs> when I was little and his brother killed himself. Again, back to my point of like, literally, I can't bump into somebody without a member of that family having killed themselves. It's really fucked up, but it was super fun because we were now just two old people with kids and we were just talking about, oh my gosh, like the good memories of when we were young. Then there was other faces that were not fun for me to see. And it was interesting because we had just talked about this one woman who I, who like kind of tortured me in the cult. And then I met again years later out of the cult and she had been working on herself. And I had a really hard time kind of reconciling the forgiveness portion of the, you're a bad person, I'm not going to forgive you, which is a, a huge thing for me. So that was weird and a little odd. Luckily, I didn't, I didn't notice her until basically this, like the whole memorial was done. Everybody came like running up to us and, you know, so sorry and blah, blah, blah. And of course, she was the first one just straight to me. And I was like, oh, my God, I don't know how I'm going to handle this. My cousin, she said, um, I'm really proud of you. I saw you clench like when she walked over. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I'm going to need to unpack that later. She was weird. She was one of those same same kind of situation as my brother or where they decided I'm just going to become a leader in this cult. And that's how I'm going to get through this. Right. I, I believe that's how you laid it out. Right. As an explanation as to why people do the things they do. But she hurt me on a more non-cult level. Well, the cult level for sure. But she was also a very, very aggressively, like overly sexual person. So I told you I had one boyfriend from the time I was like 16 to 23 years old. And we left together and we were in the band. And so when we first met, we were like hanging out and trying to get to know each other. And she would literally like take off all her clothes and just like walk into the room and like push me out of the way and just really weird stuff. So it was kind of on both levels. Like she was my tormentor because she was supposedly in charge of us or she was supposed to be, you know, our cult word, shepherd. You had shepherds and those people were essentially there to make sure you were following all the rules and you weren't doing anything wrong. And if you did, they would report you and you would get severely punished. So she was one of those people to us. And yet she's stripping off and trying to get, I don't even know what the fuck she was trying to do. I was so confused with her, but I guess she was friends with cousin. And so it's not about me. So, you know, obviously I didn't do anything. Afterwards, I was like, okay, I need to deal with this. It's interesting. Same, same sort of ish moment that I had with that other woman, you know, only that other woman was many, many years ago. And it was still like a super fresh wound. Whereas with this, with this sort of bump in, <laughs> I almost just felt like I can't even be bothered. It's a little different. You know, you used the word uh, a while ago. It was one of the episodes, recompense. 
when we were talking about your stepdad and he was trying to make amends. Mm -hmm. And some of it was okay. Part of the struggle for you was I want to forgive him, but I can't. Some things aren't forgivable. And and this woman, it wasn't like she was there to make amends to you. No. She was there to pay her respects to cousin. Exactly. It wasn't about you, but it also, it wasn't necessarily a conflict for you because she's not asking for forgiveness. Correct. So you don't have to give forgiveness. That's right. Really? <laughs> I thought I had done so well, but clearly not. Uh, it, it's stupid. It's stupid in the grand scheme of things. It was just one of those things that I was like, ugh, I did not need that. This is where I don't want you to brush it aside. It's not just a little thing. No. And, and part of what led us into this was talking about triggers and things that are triggering, yeah. right? And this is one of them. And a lot of what your experience has been in your life is things get brushed to the side or you just compartmentalize and just keep going. You just having a moment with cousin to go, oh my God, she was my shepherd. She was horrible. And it was this and this, this, that. That's a version of screaming in the pillow. Yes. Cousin is my best pillow to scream into. If she is around, I get so much stuff out and vice versa. She does it with me too. It's, it's a very much a give and take relationship. Our problems are so completely opposite that it never feels like you're in competition with each other, but more like you're just there to listen to the person. So that's, I think, another really nice part of our relationship too. You need those, you know, those relationships. It's big, you know, and that, that's bringing it back to this for a second. The reason you were there was cousin. That's right. And that was a big part of your relationship with him. Yeah. He was your person for a lot of things too. Yeah. Yeah, he was. And having these moments and these people in your life, so you can kind of look back at the experiences in your life. It's not always about learning, just experiences in your life. It's paying tribute to those. Yeah. And cousin has been a very big experience in your life, and you were paying tribute to that. Yeah, absolutely. I brushed it aside, obviously, you know, while everyone was still there. But afterwards, we all went to like his sort of local bar where his other friends were, and they had set up this whole thing. It was super sweet. And there is where I was like, okay, <laughs> I have to get this off my chest. I really don't like her. <laughs> and and of course, there's a part of me that thinks that's super unfair because I don't know her. 25 years later, there's a part of me that's like, Ugh, I don't like this woman. It's not important. It really isn't in the great scheme of things. But I had to get that, oh my God, I hate this person off my chest. So it did make me feel better. Good. But I think you've heard me talk about the the snapshots, like the Polaroids of somebody versus those moving pictures of somebody. And it's, you know, you have a, a snapshot of what she was then. What she is now is 25 years later, and that snapshot looks very different. Okay. And who knows what this current snapshot looks like and is like, and you might not have any desire to get to know that snapshot. That's fine. The snapshot that you had before, hate that. Yeah. Absolutely. That's okay too. You do not have a relationship with her where you've seen 
her moving picture from one snapshot moving all the way to the next. So she just exists to you as mostly that one previous snapshot that you hate and the current snapshot that you just saw for a second, but it triggered that old one. Yep, that's exactly right. So I'm glad you had people around you. So yeah, she started off saying about how her brother was listening to her, the podcast. Is she listening with him? I don't think they're in the same room while they're listening. It's sort of like, oh my God, did you see Game of Thrones last night? Yeah, oh my God, let's talk about it. Okay, so she told him about it and then he was like, oh, I want to listen. She was fine with it. Yeah, part of the reason why she was doing it, similar to Drew, is so that people can benefit from her experience. And she has many siblings and part of it was... Well, they're getting to benefit from what I'm doing also. And something maybe kind of cool for Sarah to realize, and we talked about this, that people can have different perspectives on the same experience. Similar to, I said this in the session, her boyfriend was in the cult also, but they had a very different experience of it. So they have a very different perspective on it. Her siblings, my sibling and I, both of us, had slightly different experiences growing up, even though we were raised by the same parents in the same house, went to largely the same schools. Oh, so more than one of her siblings is listening to it. The reason I'm asking this is because you guys talk in this episode about how her kids still don't know and how and what and why. And my thought is the more that her big family, like, I don't know if they have cousins, her kids, do they have cousins? Are they all close? Like, is at some point this going to not backfire, but like, you know, it's something that she's talked about and we've talked about that she's not necessarily concealing it. She just doesn't really see an upside. She's not chomping at the bit to tell them. And it's something that we've talked about before on here. She kind of thinks it's not really a cool thing to tell them I was in a cult. I think it's kind of a, something to tell them like, yeah, your mom's a badass. She was born into a cult and she got out. How cool is that? But her kids are so young, they wouldn't know what to do with that. How old are they? They're, I think, like 11 and 14. Okay. What stands out more for me is when we find something out that we didn't know that is like, oh, fuck, that makes so much sense. Or, I mean, it defines who their mom is in so many ways. It's not who she is, but it defines how she came to be this like amazing, powerful, resilient woman who, you know, went through fucking hell. And I don't know about you, but like we always ask our parents about their childhood and growing up and what was it like. And so, and I get she's told them she's traveled around the world, but like, I don't know, it seems just like a huge gaping thing to leave out. By the way, Sarah, I totally get it. I respect and I understand and I, you know. Sure. She's even asked her parents about what did they do before the cult and her parents wouldn't answer her. She has said many times, I think she even said in this episode that it's not like she's not going to tell them. If they ever asked, she would absolutely tell them. She would never like conceal it in that way or lie about it in that way. She would absolutely tell them if it comes up. Wait, now that makes me feel like I should ask my dad if he was ever in a cult. I'm just <laughs> saying like, how do you, well, like how would someone just sure. think to ask? It's more like if they hear something or if her kids said something like, God, this person's so controlling. Have you ever like had that experience of having somebody be so controlling with you? Maybe she would use that as an opportunity, especially now as they're older. What she said in the session was her kids as teenagers have so much going on. They don't really need to hear about their mom growing up in a cult. 
Like, yeah, they don't need that right now. No. I mean, again, I totally respect if she never wanted, I will support whatever choice she makes. And you're right, Mary. I think it would help their kids understand their mom, especially as, you know, she and I talk about some things will randomly come up and trigger you. But again, as teenagers, they might not really want to put that in their heads right now. For sure. And also to be able to understand a lot about their parents' marriage and divorce and that relationship and why it's so even more stressful than maybe would otherwise be. That's why I thought it was cool. You used to ask me, how did she and her boyfriend meet? How did that happen? And what was that like? And she talks about it here, right? And the thing that she said that was so relatable is how they have this shared experience. So they have like a similar lexicon. They have a similar vocabulary. They know certain things and they don't have to explain certain things. They don't have to like go into detail with everything by any stretch. I don't know if you caught, I'm sure you did, the part where she realized that he was in the cult also. Did you remember that? He said something. I forgot what the word he used. Some word. When you're telling somebody to like hurry up and get ready or something, you say press in or something like that. And it was something like, whoa, wait a second. How do you know that phrase? Well, and I guess I thought just on Facebook, like she was friends with him because he was friends with a friend or sister or whatever. But I think they met in per- like Texas or. Exactly. She was traveling and she was in town and she just kind of like posted something like, hey, if anybody's in town, come tell us what to do or something like that. And he saw the message and was like, just showed up I'm like, hey, what's up? And they hit it off. You know, it took a few months and like kind of going back and forth, but they clearly had something. That shared experience is huge. It doesn't have to be like a, a cultism. You and I, anybody that grew up and went to like one of the private schools, especially in the Valley, but even anywhere in LA, instantly you're like, oh, we grew up similarly. Cool. You don't know. Like I didn't grow up with money. A lot of people in the private schools did. We don't have that part in common, but we have the part in common where we had that kind of an education and that kind of an upbringing. So there's something very, I think, comfortable about meeting people that have that shared experience, which is what this was. You know me, like I'm a diehard LA girl. So when I meet people who were born and raised here, it's an automatic bond. I'm just like, oh, where'd you go to school? Do you know this person? Do you know this person? That's very easy to do. It's so funny because LA is such a big spread out town, but any native will tell you what you just said when somebody goes, oh yeah, I'm from LA too. It's, oh, where'd you go to school? And we don't mean college. We mean high school. Yeah, we mean high school. It's so funny. So I just have to circle back for a second on. So when she was talking about the cult and referred to when the cult leader talked about having sex with your grandmother. Yeah, the daily devotions. Yeah. Good news. Sex with your grandmother. I was like, what? Oh, that. Oh, man. So fucking horrible. I mean, it's it's wild to hear Sarah talking about this and going like, these are the ramblings of a lunatic. Like, who thinks like that? And yet he had a huge following. Yeah. Controlled so many people. So many. And still, I mean, that cult still exists in some form now. I mean, he's long gone. I think he died in the 90s, but it's still going in some form. And there are a lot of things like this that work with that kind of mind control and that shared experience. Yeah. So, um, but anyway, so she went to the memorial of her cousin. And so she talked about running into a lot of old people or people she used to know. People from her past. Yeah. And just getting triggered by seeing certain people there. Some of it is just like, oh yeah, that brings up, you know, these memories and those memories. But At the memorial, one of her cousins 
could see that she was having this reaction to this woman that was one of her tormentors. And it was gnarly. And it was tough for her because she, she, you know, you have all these things that you want to say or you want to do. And that was the version of screaming into the pillow. Her cousin is like her screaming into a pillow. Like I can go to my cousin and just be like, oh my God, can you believe that? That's who that, that was, that, that was my tormentor. The, what do they call him? Her shepherd. Yeah. Wrote that down. I was like, oh God. Was that a woman she had seen like maybe once in between? I thought she mentioned that she had run into her once like out in the world since she left the cult, but I'm not sure. Maybe. I don't remember that. I just know that I think Sarah did this beautifully where she recognized here's somebody that knew my cousin who passed away. So she's going to pay her respects. It's about him here, not me. I'm triggered by this person because that's somebody that used to torment me. So I'm just going to compartmentalize it and I'll have my moment with my cousin who's still here and just kind of, you know, scream into the pillow metaphorically with her and get it off her chest, as she said, which I love. I love that she recognized she needed to do that. Yeah. She said they all went to like a bar after or something and that she was like, okay, I can finally just say I fucking hate her. And you know what? I'm all about that. Like you guys talked about recompense and her stepdad and fine. You can have compassion or empathy. You can forgive. You can have compassion, empathy and not forgive. You don't have to have shit and that's all on you and there's no judgment. And I don't, I don't think this woman is something that Sarah holds on to and thinks about every day. And it's like eating away at her because she's not forgiving her or whatever. But when she sees her, she's like, fuck you. I love that you said it that way because that's so easy for you. It's not for Sarah. She would never just say, fuck you. She wouldn't do that. In fact, if I said that to her, she'd go, Doug, you know me. I would never, right? And yet she came around to something. It's the concept we've talked about screaming into your pillow for a long time that yes, being able to do that and vent that to my cousin was a version of that and I needed that and it was great. And like I said, it's really nice that she has this support around her so she can do that. You said something about learning as opposed to experiencing that I liked. Yeah, a lot of her MO in her life is to learn something from an experience, to learn, right, and to improve herself and be better. And even though in a meta sense, that's what we're doing in therapy, I've really been keying in with her just allowing herself to have the experience, to be there for the experience. Not to have to get something out of it. Right. Don't get something out of it. Be in it, even if it's uncomfortable, and we can do something with it, which is what she did. So I was super proud about that. You can still learn something. That's fine. Can you be there and experience something? I mean, you were getting mad at me the last few weeks with Sarah because I kept trying to get her to stay with the emotion. This is what I'm talking about is allow yourself to be in the experience, even if it's uncomfortable, and we will process that rather than compartmentalizing it or learning it, making it intellectual. Like that person was there and it triggered me. And I know that now when I see somebody, I can do this. And I've learned that. So it's okay. No. What about the part we just go, oh, oh, I hate that person. You know, and you let it out. She's experiencing and learning. Good combo. You guys are doing amazing work together. Oh, thank you, Meredith. You're also doing amazing work with, I don't know, whatever yeah, you do. Sure. I'm sure it's amazing. Whatever I do. I mean, from what I can tell, Honestly, and this is like serious for a a moment. I want to end on this note that from what I can tell, a lot of the work that you're doing really has an impact. Uh I think that 
what I would guess people would say and what I can definitely see that those hand turkeys are just phenomenal. Fuck you. Like keep that up. It's deeply meaningful. <laughs> and on that note. <laughs> on that note, happy turkey day. Happy Thanksgiving. We will Bye. talk at you later. Bye.